But today, we're actually going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open that up or in your apps, or it will be in the scripture right behind me. Um, uh, and, uh, and we can all read it together. So the scripture for this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. La escritura de hoy viene del libro de Génesis, capítulo 15, versículos 1 al 6. And I'll be reading the scripture for us in English, but you can most definitely follow along in Spanish in your Bible as well. Um, so the scripture today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. And I'll go ahead and read the scripture for us, and it's right behind me in the projector. Genesis 15, verses 1 to 6, and this is part of God's covenant with Abraham, beginning at verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall be your offspring. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. God, would you just speak to us today, Lord? Prepare our hearts and minds for what it is that you want to share with us today, Lord. We look to you, and we trust in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage that we're looking at this morning describes God's covenant with Abraham. We see that in chapter 12, this covenant with Abraham actually began as a conversation, a conversation which then led to a promise, and then that promise led to a covenant. In chapter 15, the deal is sealed with a new covenant, a promise that God has made to Abraham. So again, we see this shift, what began with a conversation in Genesis 12, then becomes a promise, and that promise becomes a covenant. Back in uh, Genesis 12, God makes the following promise to Abraham. He says, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. So back in Genesis 12, God blesses Abraham so that he would be a blessing to others. Blessed to be a blessing. Abraham está bendecido para bendecir. Some of us here have maybe been around in church for some time. Others, maybe not so long. 
Some maybe grew up in Sunday school singing songs about Father Abraham. Others perhaps are just hearing about Abraham for the first time here this morning, and that's all right. We're all on this journey together. But just to give us a little bit of a background on who Abraham is, Abraham is oftentimes called the father of faith in the Bible. Abraham was a nomad, meaning he was a person who didn't really have a home or a settlement. He was a nomad from the land of Ur in the ancient Near East. And arguably, when we read throughout the scripture and throughout the history of the world, arguably, no one besides Jesus Christ has ever been more influential to the world as we know it than Abraham. In fact, just to think about it a little bit, to put it in perspective, three of the major religions in this world today, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, they all look to Abraham as their spiritual grandfather. Just to put it in numbers for us a little bit here. Adherents of these three major religions actually make up more than four billion people. So that means that over half of the world's population today looks to Abraham as their father in faith. And yet here in this passage, we see Abraham, the father of faith, Father Abraham, the one who had a promise, the one who then had a covenant with God. We see this same Abraham faltering and fearing. So what is it? Is Abraham, this father of faith, is he a person of great faith? Or is he someone of deep doubt and fear and inconsistency? Which one is it? Faith or fear? Some people are answering already. I love that. Interactive. What's the answer? The answer is yes. Abraham is a man that is deeply blessed and deeply broken, a person that deals with faith and fear, a person that navigates that, that dance, that dance of faith and doubt. Father Abraham was deeply broken and yet blessed by God. Abraham era un hombre aquebrantado y sin embargo bendecido por Dios. So how does God deal with Abraham's doubt? How does he deal with Abraham's fear? How does he deal with Abraham kind of navigating through the unknown, especially in times of pressure? This passage here shows us exactly how God deals with Abraham and the way that God deals with Abraham in unknown times or in times of crisis is the same way that God deals with us in our moments of fear, in our moments of doubt, in our moments of unknown. What does God do? God engages Abraham. He engages Abraham's fear through conversation. And then that conversation leads to covenant, which we see taking place here in this text. Dios confronta el temor de Abraham. So what begins as conversation, we see this in the journey of Abraham in the last few chapters, beginning in chapter 12, I'd encourage all of you to read that. Read Genesis 12 to 15, and you'll see this whole conversation and interaction between Abraham and God. Abraham is told that he will be blessed in order to be a blessing. 
But yet, since that promise was made back in Genesis 12, Abraham hasn't seen the result of that promise. Abraham has been waiting. Abraham feels like God is even silent after that initial promise, that initial conversation. Life is fracturing. Humankind has turned away from God and turned from one another. There's one crisis after another. And what God's promise is, in response to all of that, God will work through a family. And through that family... God will provide a son, a descendant in order to renew the whole earth. God will use Abraham to restore something precious that has been broken. And through this descendant, who the scriptures reveal to us to be Jesus, God will reclaim all of humanity all back to himself. God will do what he's been talking about in Ephesians. That's all a story that's connected. God will restore all things back to himself. But yet the promise was made and time has passed. Abraham waits day after day, year after year. And in this case, Abraham has promised the son. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they try to have children, but they don't. They can't because she's barren. So I can imagine here there's more praying. There's more long nights. There's more tears for Abraham and Sarah. There's unanswered questions. There's doubts. There's what they feel is just silence in the midst of challenge. They try to fulfill this promise, but they can't. They feel like they're failing time after time. (laughs) They're told to wait, yet they feel like they've waited long enough. And in chapter 15, it's most likely been years since God made the initial promise to Abraham. It's been Several years, probably decades from from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15. And in fact, that's a constant theme we see throughout the scriptures. For those of us who follow Jesus, our journey of faith will oftentimes require to follow Jesus in uncertain times. La fe nos invita a seguir a Jesucristo en tiempos de duda. To follow Jesus in uncertain times. Like Abraham here. He's described later in the New Testament as the father of faith. And you know what's the one description they give about Abraham? Not that he was this mighty person that was so wise and did so much for people. No, but he was the father of faith because he went without knowing. That's what made Abraham the father of faith. He went without knowing, and yet he fully trusted. And we see here Abraham waiting. And this is a theme, especially for us who follow God in uncertain times. Patience, waiting, trusting, and persevering. This is all a part of what it means to follow Jesus in uncertain times. To follow God against all odds as Abraham did in this passage. Now to talk about waiting just a little bit, who, whoever here has felt like they've waited on God? I know I have. Now Abraham waited years and years and decades 
but he wasn't the only one. I think earlier we were uh, reflecting or there was a prayer reminding us of the, of the ancient Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt. You know, for how long? 400 years. You know how long between the Old Testament and the New Testament where there was no in-between word of God or new revelation? 400 years. So again, that's part of the journey of following God in uncertain times. Patience, waiting, trusting, and persevering. This is all part of the faith journey. And after what perhaps felt like a lifetime of silence, God actually speaks to Abraham again in this passage in chapter 15. And what does God say in this very first verse? God speaks to Abraham and he says, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. I am your rock. I am your protector. Now notice here, God doesn't say, you know what? Abram, I'm so sorry. I was running late here. I really messed up on that. Or he doesn't wave his finger in front of Abraham and say, well, you should have done more. You should have prayed more. You should have done more of this or, or that. No. Instead, God is not punitive. He's not trying to punish Abraham. God speaks to Abraham boldly and Clearly, he says, Abraham, I am your shield. I am your reward. Do, do not be afraid. Después que Dios le dio la promesa a Abraham, después de un tiempo, vino a él y le dijo, no temas, yo soy tu protector. Do not be afraid was God's word to Abraham in that uncertain time. In reaction to God's declaration, I don't know about you, but I'm, intent, I'm, I'm really tempted to insert something for Abraham there, to respond for Abraham. And I want to give a yes, but kind of response for Abraham here. God says, do not be afraid to me in uncertain times. Well, I want to say, yes, God, but you don't understand. To which God's response will be, do not be afraid. Yes, God, but all of the odds are against me. Do not be afraid. Yes, God, but I don't have the resources to get the job done and I'm in deep pressure and anxiety. Do not be afraid. No temas. How about for you? What's your yes, God, but statement today? What's your yes, God, but explanation today? Whatever it may be, regardless of how big or how small you perceive it to be, God's response to you remains the same as it did for Abraham back then. Do not be afraid. I am your shield. I am your rock. I am your protector. I am your provider. God engages Abraham's doubts. He doesn't just leave them there hanging. So in our moments of doubt, our moments of wondering, our moments of unknown, real faith 
let's remember that real faith does not ask us to just stuff all of that inside or to pretend like everything is okay all the time. No, real faith is not just some kind of bumper sticker religiosity. Real faith doesn't just say, oh, don't bother me, I'm just too blessed to be stressed. No, that's not real faith. Real faith is not bumper sticker religiosity. And real faith is also not just cheap skepticism. Just being that person that questions everything and wants to see through everything. Well, guess what? If you see through everything, then that means you see nothing, right? Real faith invites us to trust in the Lord in uncertain times. The faithful throughout Scripture and throughout history express their doubts, express their fear, express their uncertainty before God through groaning, through praying, through bringing their real selves before a real God, bringing their real doubts to a faithful God. We can do the same. When we have those moments of just... Uh, scare or freak out or whatever it may be based on any circumstance, we can bring those doubts, those feelings before a real God who meets us where we are and takes us where we need to be. Faith invites us to be willing to do something that we could have never imagined before. Get this. Faith invites us to doubt our doubts. Faith invites us to be skeptical about our skepticism. La fe nos invita a dudar nuestras dudas. So Imago Church family, may we bring our big questions, our big burdens, our big doubts, our big feelings to a God that can handle it. Not to anything or anyone else which will maybe give us a false promise or a temporary satisfaction and then move on, right? But let's bring it to a God who can. A God who is able to handle our big questions. Instead of fleeing in fear to something or someone else that we know will not fulfill us or comfort us in the way that only the living God can. Abraham, in this passage, he's the father of faith because he goes without knowing, but he's the father of faith because he takes God at his word. Can we take God at his word today? Taking God at his word, Abraham looks up at the sky and he's willing to trust God amidst crisis. He's a willing to trust God amidst, amidst unknown or uncertain times. And oftentimes for us, faith or lack of faith is made most evident in times of crisis. And in times of unknown. Nuestra fe se prueba especialmente en momentos de crisis. Abraham believed God would give him a son. In spite of many years of childlessness, and let's understand this, right? In the context in which Abraham lived, and in which this story was written, 
children and descendants and offspring, they, that meant security for the future. That, mean, that meant that your, your generations would continue. It would maybe be equivalent to property or wealth today. But descendants secured a future. Abraham believed, against all odds, that God would grant him a future. God would grant him a future against the odds, against the circumstances in which Abraham found himself. Abraham held on to hope. And to hold on to hope is to hold on to life. Let's be clear about that. Without hope, there is no life. There may be existence. There may be going through the motions, but that's not life. That's not the abundant life that God invites us into. Sin esperanza no hay vida. Without hope, there is no life. Here's the truth, and I've found this over the years as a pastor, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian. Here's the bottom line truth. All spiritual battles in this life are fought in the battle arena of faith. All challenges that we go through are actually faith challenges as well. All of life's obstacles require us to confront and answer the following question. In who or in what am I trusting? Where am I going to lay down the weight of my life? And we have different options there. There's the option of faith. There's the option of fear. Fear will constantly try to convince us that God's grace, that God's plan, that God's promise is not enough. That that's insufficient. Fear exchanges trust in God for trust in people, trust in places, trust in circumstances, in material things, in outcomes. And perhaps worst of all, fear creates an obstacle for blessing. Fear blocks us, creates a barrier from receiving a blessing and creates a barrier from us being a blessing to others. The first word in this passage that God has for Abraham is do not be afraid. In times of trials, in times of temptation, in times of discouragement, in this coming week, and even in this season that we're all navigating together, that we will get through by the grace of God, I'm fully confident, just as we have in the past. He's been faithful before, he'll be faithful again. In those moments of unknown, of challenge, may we hear the God of Abraham speak to us. The God that says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. I am your rock, I am your shield. As a people of God, together as a church community this year, we've really committed to going the next level, to going the next level with God in our discipleship, in our worship. We are going the next level in being a blessing to those around us as well. 
We all have spiritual gifts here that we can exercise and use for the kingdom of God. Some have the gift of generosity, others of prayer, others of hospitality. We can use all of those for the kingdom of God. We are all contributing together. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. As we step into that this year, may we step in boldly in faith. May we pray, may we ask God to take us to that next level. Next level disciples, being people who are faithful, approachable, consistent, and teachable. Over my life, and even in my journey in pastoring and planting this church, I had many of those yes God but moments. And I'm so grateful to see what God has done by simply waiting, trusting, and persevering. It was until I heard the words of the God of Abraham that I could finally fully surrender to him and say, you know what, God, you're in charge of outcome. I'll take the action. I'll go without knowing. You do what you're going to do. Friends, brothers, sisters, this is the God who calls us to journey with him, especially into the unknown, to journey with him in uncertain times, to go deeper, to go wider. May we hear his voice, that voice of God that spoke to Abraham, which speaks to us today. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Imago Church. Do not be afraid, Carlos. And we're going to do something, an exercise here together. After I say the phrase, do not be afraid, insert your name there. Are we ready? Do not be afraid. I, yeah, that that was fun, right? can do it again. Do not be afraid. I am your rock. I am your shield. I am your protector. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I got you. That's his promise to you. This is a command from God, just to be clear. It's not a suggestion. Maybe it sounded like a nice conversation or a nice inspirational talk up to this point. But do not be afraid is a command from God. God here doesn't talk to Abraham Abraham and say, you know what, Abraham, I'm wondering, would you consider maybe not being afraid for now or for the next hour or for the next few minutes? No, God boldly states and commands Abraham and says, do not be afraid And this is not a one-time command, but do not be afraid is actually the most repeated command in all of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, we see it over and over again. Faith gives us courage to be sent as God's people, as God's covenant people, to step in with courage, to step in with boldness. Like I've said, cynicism, on the other hand, or just conspiring or, or, li- or giving into fear, all of that, on the other hand, that's the easy route. And oftentimes, all that stuff is actually just the shortcut to avoid really engaging with God's call for our lives. 
Being called to follow Jesus in uncertain times means that we're called to follow Jesus to the next level. And following Jesus to that next level of faith, that next level of trust, will feel like stepping into the unknown. It's going to feel like some of you have played that game when you were kids, right? When with a kid in front of you, that trust game like goes back and you're supposed to catch them. That's how it's going to feel. It's never going to follow the predictable pattern that we're so comfortable with. Following God to the next level, following Him into the unknown, will not follow the pattern of ready, set, go. But instead, following Jesus into the next level of faith will actually be a lot, feel a lot more like go, set, ready, trust. Go without knowing. Trust in Him. Persevere. Wait on the Lord. Together, we're going to the next level. We're going to the next level in faith, in trust, in dependence on God. And in this year, in 2020, in this next decade, I believe that this is going to be the greatest season yet of this church story. And I'm so excited. I'm so grateful to be on this journey into the unknown together. As followers of Jesus, we're blessed to be a blessing. You and I can be a blessing no matter what our circumstances may be. No matter what may be going on, we can be a blessing because that's what we're blessed for. We're not just blessed for me and mine, but we're blessed to be a blessing. And I've said some of these before, but I'll mention them again to refresh our memories. But there are five very practical ways that you and I can be a blessing to those around us, to our neighbors, and to this church community. And it really is an acronym that begins with that BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. So it begins with B. We can be a blessing by beginning with B. Begin with prayer. We want to ask God, how do you want me to bless people in the places that you've sent me to? How do you want me to bless my family, to bless my church? And especially in uncertain times, how do you want me to bless those around me? You know, a friend of mine actually reminded me of something very important this week. He reminded me that in uncertain times, we always have choices. We always have choices on how to respond. And remember this, prayer is a response that leads to peace. Prayer is a response that leads to peace. But there's another choice too, right? There's the choice of fear. Fear is a reaction that leads to anxiety. Prayer leads to peace. Fear leads to anxiety. You decide. So we begin with prayer. And then L, listen. We can bless those around us by listening. Not just talking at people all the time. <laughs> but listen to people. Listen to their struggles. Listen to their pains. Listen to their heart. And then God will show you how to best serve them. So that's B-L-E. We engage. We don't just run away or we don't just have to keep things superficial all the time. But we engage and take a step deeper with God and with community. 
This is something we can't just check off the list. So then that's B, L, E, and then the two S's. The first S is serve. If you listen with people and you engage with people, they will tell you how to love them and how to serve them. Then finally, the last S in bless is story. When the time is right, now we can talk and share the story of how Jesus changed your life and how they can receive that same peace, that salvation, that security in him. God seals his promise to Abraham with a covenant. And let's be clear about this. Whatever we place our trust in, we are in covenant with. Because what we place our trust in is what we place at the center of our lives. And here's a very interesting thing about covenants, right? Covenants are really these promises, right? All covenants away from God are what are called contingent covenants. They are if-then covenants. So, for example, if my covenant is with my self-image, then here's the covenant, right? It's a covenant that says, if I look good on the outside, then I will finally be loved and accepted by others. Or if my covenant is with finances, that's a covenant that says, if I have the right investments or the right portfolio or the right amount of money in my account, if that happens, then I will finally be secure. Or some of us are in covenant with busyness, right? Which in our culture, busyness is a status symbol, right? The busier I am, the more important I am. And that's a covenant that says, if I am busy enough, then I will finally be important enough to matter. But when we place our faith and our trust in the living God, we are in covenant with the God of Abraham, which is not an if-then covenant. When this God is at the center of our lives, we are in a unique covenant, a covenant based on grace, on the power of grace. It's a covenant not based on if then, but it is an I will covenant. God promises I will In this radical new type of covenant, God says, I will be faithful. And if you are unfaithful to me, I will bear the consequences on the cross. Jesus on the cross is the embodiment of the I will covenant. That even in our faithlessness, God will be faithful to us no matter what. That's the I will covenant of God. God actually shatters the transaction if-then covenant and instead invites us into the covenant of grace, the covenant of I will. It's a new kind of deal where God proclaims that even when you fall and stumble, I will be there to pick you up. Even when your brokenness, I will bless you. And yes, even in uncertain times, the Lord will be your rock and your shield. I will do it, says the Lord. 
I love the way that we're reminded of that in the scriptures, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 5, it says, the one who calls us is faithful, and he will do it. The I will covenant. Trust in him. He will be your rock. He will be your shield. He will be your protector. Friends, this is what we're invited to. Brothers, sisters, we're invited to courageously follow our faithful God, especially in times of uncertainty. We hear the God of Abraham speak to us and say, do not be afraid. And together, in one voice as a united church family, may we not be afraid, but trust in him. Let's pray together. Lord, great, great, great is your faithfulness. Que grande, santo, tu fidelidad. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. It's unlike anything that we've ever seen or experienced. All that we've seen, Lord, in this world is contingent covenants, Lord. It's if-then covenants. It's tit-for-tat covenants, Lord. But God, in this new thing that you're doing, in this covenant of grace, Lord, you don't just say if-then, but you begin with I will. I will be your God, and you will be my people. I will be your rock. I will be your salvation. I will be your protector. Lord, help us to hold on to those promises, God. Those promises that are so much greater, Lord, than what any of us could come up with, Lord, or what this world has to offer, God. Thank you, Lord. Te damos gracias, Señor, por tus gran pactos y tus promesas, por ser nuestro refugio, Dios Santo. Thank you, Lord, for being our refuge, for being our, our shield and our, and our protector, Lord. Your faithfulness, Lord, cannot be compared to anything because there's nothing like it, God. That's what we're leaning on. That's what we're trusting on this morning and entering into this week, Lord. We're leaning in to your faithfulness. Thank you, God. Thank you for these precious promises, Lord, that are like living water to us. We need this, Lord. As we go out from here, Lord, to love and serve you, continue to build us up continue to build us up into people who go without knowing to people who fully trust in you to people who wait upon the Lord in uncertain times to people Lord who persevere against all odds God to people who are reflectors of you we love you Lord and we dedicate rest of this time to you. Receive this final song, Lord, as a sweet aroma. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.